Welcome to the Cool Explorations podcast and radio program with your host, Tony Peters. I hope you'll enjoy today's segment. Welcome to Cool Explorations. I'm your host, Tony Peters. Today, we are blessed to have Patty Townley Covert on with us today. And uh, if you just want to start off by introducing yourself and uh, telling us a little bit what you do right now. Well, um, as Tony said, my name is Patty Townley Covert. And I guess what I do is I'm an author and an editor, um, but I, w- I tell people I'm a very ordinary person who's had an extraordinary life because of Christ. Um, I've gotten to do some pretty interesting things uh, that I never even imagined myself doing. And I would say that that's because of attending Bible study fellowship for many years and becoming more disciplined which enabled me to write. I never thought I'd have what it took to be a writer. And by looking to the Lord for what he wanted me to do and learning his word and becoming disciplined in study, I uh, that led to my writing. And it also led to physical discipline. I One of my favorite things to well I don't know if it's my favorite but I do go to the gym almost every day and I really it's a great stress reliever and I'm grateful for the physical discipline that's cultivated but it started with the spiritual discipline of meeting with the Lord every day and being in his word every day and then the physical discipline came and that's helped me all to be a lifelong learner which has made a huge difference. So I'm really, really happy I can say I am a lifelong learner. I'm getting older now, and the older I get, the more I like to learn. So that's made life very exciting for me, and it's got lots of twists and turns, and uh, I've I've become far more resilient. And all of that is thanks to developing a biblical worldview. And I love that you call it a discipline because it is definitely a discipline. Um, it's something that we have to train ourselves to do. And uh, it, it like any, like anything we do is not easy to start out with when you're just trying to train yourself to get into the word daily and, and making sure you're praying consistently. And uh, I always tell people, and I've said this before in the podcast, anybody who listens regularly knows I say this, that you can pray anytime during the day. Um, you can be driving your car and you can be praying, uh, stuck in rush, rush hour traffic. You can be sitting there praying. Uh, you can have a relationship with God and, uh, it does take effort and training, uh, in order to get that way and training yourself to, to be in the word daily. Uh, that definitely, again, takes, like you say, discipline, uh, but it's so worth it when you oh, do. It's worth gold. That's what. If, I, if it hadn't been for a Bible study fellowship, I don't know that I would have ever uh, developed that habit of being in the Word daily. The lessons were too big to do once a week or whatever. I had to do them in increments, and it started out very slow. And along with that uh, came need. I was praying for more discipline, and that was about the time that the suffering I was going through got great enough that I had no choice. I had to meet with God every morning or I wouldn't have made it through the day. So I think sometimes we view suffering as 
uh, well, in fact, one of the articles I wrote was titled Get Me Out of Here because I, I don't like it and I don't want to be in uncomfortable situations, but they are a source of gold too when we bring them to the Lord and he helps us walk through them. Yeah, and we grow so much um, and learning that that dependence upon the Lord is so so important and uh yeah nobody likes the, nobody likes the struggle but the struggle is necessary in anything we do even even if you weren't a christian or aren't a christian uh those struggles still help you grow and develop uh, into a stronger better person uh and uh life is just not easy and and you know a christian life is is no different uh, it's it's not easy, but you grow and develop through all the hard times. And you can see so many biblical figures that you just, you look at and you're like, yeah, like I can see myself in that. Uh, and it just, it does help you really connect, which kind of brings us to your testimony. If you want to just walk us through your testimony a bit here, uh, that would be great. And then that would kind of put some more context into, into what we're talking about. Okay. Um, I I think it the dramatic part starts when I was 24 years old. I'd been raised in a non-Christian home. I always believed that there was a God, but I didn't know much about him or have a relationship. And our culture at the time when I was in my 20s was all about free love and it was the time of the hippies and people doing their own thing. The mantra then was, if it feels good, do it. And even my mother bought into that. And I was married in a very difficult marriage. My life was full of chaos and instability. I really wanted to be a good wife. I wanted to be a good mother. I had a very young son. Well, I, the cruises started, I, my mother started taking me on Caribbean cruises and we went a year for, uh, there were a total of four. The first cruise was very dramatic. We met the chief officer senior and he and I became friends. The second cruise was even more dramatic. We saw him do a rescue at sea that was just incredible and I was wined and dined in ways I'd never had been. And my husband wasn't treating me very well. It was a miracle. He let me go because he was very controlling. And the third cruise, the man that we had met was home on leave. And on the way to the third cruise, my mother said, you should have an affair. It's too bad. He's not going to be there. And so I had that pressure from my mom. I had a husband who was telling me I was frigid. And on the third cruise, I met a Norwegian navigator who I thought that mantra was, if it feels good, do it. And I thought I'm out at sea. Nobody will know. And I've got two weeks. I can be whoever I want. And so I decided to experiment. And I got involved with him. We had a very dramatic affair, but it was the same issue that it is today that people think they can have sex with no emotional involvement. 
And I tried to convince myself of that. I did convince myself that that's what it was going to be. I knew after two weeks I was going home. I really wanted my marriage to work. I wanted my son to have his dad. Um, that was all I wanted was a family. And so there was this dichotomy going on. And uh, I actually wrote a book with my whole testimony in it. And there, I can tell this more succinctly about the turmoil that I was in by just reading a little bit from it. It's called yes. The Windblown Girl. I don't know if it yep. shows, but it's a memoir about self, sexuality, and social issues. And God gave me quite a story. Uh, the windblown girl, if you can see, she's standing on a rock. She's holding a book behind her back. And for me, that book ended up becoming the Bible. But the way I got there was because I was in so much distress over this affair. Um, so I'll just read a little bit that will capture yeah. what was going on. This was the decade of me. I had abandoned all the rules to learn about myself. With no responsibilities, I thought I could be whatever I wanted for two full weeks. Despite knowing that the sensations of lovemaking, intimacy, and respectful interactions could only be temporary, I'd taken that risk thinking no one outside this oceanic realm would ever know. But how could I possibly put Jan in the past? Though it was clear I must not fall in love, I was crazy about him. Yet those emotions couldn't be any more than temporary. If he knew how I felt, the relationship would be over. I simply must not, could not fall in love. And what about the family I longed for? He was not an option. Jan's highest priorities involved his career and seeking pleasure. Mine were diametrically opposed. Stay at stability with a family and conventional routines. He loved his glacial homeland. I love Southern California's warmth. He constantly made new friends and went on adventures in exotic locations. He spent vacations in Spain with his best friend. All I wanted was security, a home and a husband who would come home at night and be there for me and my son. This cruise had put me on board my own personal Titanic, an emotional ship destined to sink. My mind and body had connected in ways I'd never before experienced, yet that problem was mine alone. Others had casual sex. Why couldn't I? At least this time, my feelings weren't wrecking the relationship. Although I had a hard time not revealing how much I adored Jan, knowing our relationship couldn't continue made me seem as elusive as he was. Craving a life with someone like him was out of the question, but how could I live without him? The muggy night silence wrapped me in a thick blanket of despair. despair. Knowing what was at stake, I leaned back to look up at the turbulent storm clouds with glimpses of the moon peeking through. A gentle breeze parted them enough to reveal patches of a night sky spangled with the brilliance of diamonds tossed on a black velvet jeweler's cloth. It would take someone big enough to hang those stars in the sky to fix this mess. Right, I laughed ruefully. Even if such a creator existed, why would he help someone like me? I left my little boy to go on a Caribbean cruise. I cheated on my husband. Worst of all, I didn't even feel guilty. And I was crazy about a man I must not fall in love with. The situation was beyond any power I had to control it. For a moment, I sensed a, an unseen presence, one that understood and cared about the mess I'd made, a mess far too big for me to clean it up. 
Maybe that was wishful thinking. This was only the tip of an iceberg that lay straight ahead. And no matter what, I had to stay in the truth. My relationship with Jan would soon be over. And you know that the thing that just, well, there's a couple things there that boggle my mind is one that Christ as truth came to me on that cruise ship. I couldn't escape the truth. As much as I wanted to deny it, there was no escaping it. This was an international playboy. I I knew if he knew how I felt that it would be over. Um, I didn't know what to do about my husband. I wanted my family. And it blows my mind that Christ spoke truth to me instead of letting me go into denial. And the other thing that is astounding to me was that eventually I ended up working and editing books for an astronomer who showed how God hung the stars in the sky. Only God, 30 years later, I'm working with scientists, NASA level. In fact, we put on a fundraiser at JPL. The guy that hired me was uh, a part of the Mars rover mission. And I'm editing their books on how the, the scientific evidence points to a creator. Only God could have orchestrated that. And it was after, actually, the international playboy ended up falling as deeply as I did. And both of us paid a tremendous price in being bound to one another when there was no way our relationship could be sustained. He did come and live with me after I separated from my husband. And I think if I hadn't ended the relationship, we would have ended up married, but it would have been a disaster. And I actually came to Christ because of all the pain I was in. And after I came to Christ, I had to end the relationship. Yeah, and it's I amazing know how God how finds you at those lowest moments. It's, and it's he incredible. Does, he reaches that he out. Would do yeah, that. exactly. And that shows how much he loves us. You know, that such love that even in the depths of our despair, our sinfulness, he still wants a relationship with us. And that was true for Jan as well. He called me 12 years after I broke it off, and he was in as much of a struggle as I had been. Um, I don't know the results of that, but that's part of the story. So all that is in the book, but that's what got me on my knees is when he called me later and I was in another difficult marriage because I had a lot to learn. And along the way, I, had, I knew that someday I'd be tested and I'd have to be faithful because I was a believer. And that test came in a very dramatic way and was very painful. But I knew that by then I wanted to be faithful to God. Yeah, and we see that with uh, uh, David is a perfect example that I, I always go back to because I love his story. Uh, mm -hmm. Just how he, even knowing God and being a man after God's own heart, he still committed murder. He still committed adultery. And yet, he showed us the perfect example of what we are supposed to do, which is repent and turn back to God. And that just shows us that God really does care. 
he really, like you say, wants that relationship with us that even when we turn our back on him, he's like, come back to me. I'm calling you back. It's, it's amazing. And so humbling. (laughs) It is. And what that showed me, I love David so much because it showed me that God could still love me, even though I was really tempted. And I think David's story helped me see not to ever let denial creep in, that I could be honest with God and God would understand and he would help me through it because there was a lot of temptation and all along the way. And I still can get tempted. Even as old as I am now, there's still temptation to do things that I shouldn't. And I can be honest with God about that for him to come to me on that cruise ship as truth helped me decide that, well, when I became a Christian, I was all in by 25. I said, no, I was about 28 when I finally said, okay, I'm done. I don't want to do it my way anymore. I'm done. I had hurt myself so badly that I decided I was doing things God's way, no matter how painful it might be, no matter what I had to do, I was going to do it God's way. And I don't think I've wavered from that because I know the consequences are so severe. Yeah. Well, and, and God just, he, he throughout the Bible reached out to people that nobody else wanted any association with. I mean, you look at Zacchaeus, the tax collector, um, all those tax collectors back then are just like our tax collectors. Now they're so crooked uh, and, and in it for themselves and the money. Um, and, uh, then he, the prostitutes, he reached out to prostitutes, people that were the lowest of the low. And uh, the woman at the well, even who was basically uh, again in this, this relationship kind of thing that, that wasn't really right. Uh, and was from a people that, you know, nobody wanted to associate with. And yet Jesus is just like, I'm going to reach out to you. And uh, you look at Martha and, and Mary Magdalene. Like th- th- these were not; these are not people that that were that were high up and and people that were well respected in the community. No, these are people that were considered some of the lowest of the low. And yet Jesus reached out to them, and Jesus found them. And he's just like he's like, you can do better. You can be better. Follow me. Trust in me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you better than what you are now and it remains true to our day all those biblical stories remain so relevant and true today that he can step in and help us be so much better than what we are capable of ourselves without him we we would be in the depths of uh, of the law without him i would have committed suicide years ago uh but he drew me out of that and we can draw strength from that that's where I was too. I I would have I would be dead if it was not for Christ, and yeah, even rejected um, my. I did eventually have a family, um, but that blew up, and they all left. And part of that is because I am a believer, and um, they turned away from my, my kids turned away from what they'd been taught. They went off to do their own thing and left me 
at the same time as my husband left, my business blew up. I lost it all. Uh, even after I had made what I considered to be right decisions before the Lord. Um, but God walked me through all of that and uh, day by day. And still I live alone and um, my life is not what I wanted it to be. It, but it has become so much more. I never imagined that I'd be a writer and would help other people with their books, especially scientists. I didn't even like science. And I became absolutely fascinated when it was connected to our creator. And yeah. that has uh, become even more, I think sometimes we have an ideal and we realize we're not gonna reach that ideal, but God gives us an even better concept of life. And that's where understanding the world and sin and suffering and some of those really hard things, God makes sense out of them. And his way is better. And we can walk tall even through the most difficult times when he's the one in control. Well, exactly. And uh, yeah, he can, he'll lead us uh, into what he promises, which is that we're not, he doesn't promise us the riches of this world. He promises the riches after our life here. And then that is heaven. And that's that stuff we can't even imagine or, or, or fathom and living in God's glory all the time, uh, being able to, to see Jesus and, uh, and have have that uh, we're always living in his presence and physically seeing him, unlike what now where we live in his presence, but we don't physically see him and we can walk away. When we get to heaven, it'll be like, we'll just be so happy to be praising God and, and, and worshiping with Jesus Christ. It's, it's going to be uh, amazing to, to have that and to be, be promised that is, is something to, to live for and something to hope for. Uh, and that's something that you, you lack in so many uh, situations like we're with atheists um, or, or agnostics, you know, they're not really living for something afterwards. They're living for now. And if they don't, get what they want now then they're bitter and they're angry but it's like if you live for god you you have that hope you actually have something to live for not just i'm going to live and i'm going to die and then there's nothing well where's there's no hope in that there's no there's there's no love in that it's just i'm here i'm gone and we're promised more. You know, I think that's the source of joy. It's an unending joy that wells up inside of us when we're walking with the Lord. And we start to really shift our mindset from the temporal and the pleasure that we seek now. And a cruise is a great example of that where everything is at your beck and call and it's fun and um, exciting and it can be very romantic. And yet it's a false reality 
that's going to end. It can't be sustained. In fact, I quit going by the fourth cruise. I couldn't go anymore. I just needed to be in reality. And um, that was a hard choice to make. Made my mother very angry because she didn't have her traveling companion anymore. <laughs> and yet I knew I needed to start living according to what I wanted. And I wanted to be faithful. I wanted to be honest. Um, I, I didn't like who I had become and by shifting my mindset. So I would say that even the riches we gain in this world by following Christ are so much more than uh, the world has to offer. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that really ties in well um, with with the next question that that I, I have for you, which is, how did cultural lies and messaging make it so much easier to justify cheap sex and and self absorption, uh, that focus on self and and what what's pleasuring you? Uh, how, how did all that cultural speak? Uh, you, you speak of the, the free love, and which again is coming back. Um, how did that make it easier? When everybody else is doing it, you start to think there's something wrong with me. And I wasn't a Christian, so I didn't really have a plumb line to guide myself by. What I had was people saying, what's wrong with you? And so to find out what was wrong with me, I decided to try and see if what they were saying was true. So I think there's a lot of pressure and I think that pressure is probably even greater today than it was. Um, cultural lies have led us to a very, very distorted concept of what's right and wrong. And when younger, young kids are being sexualized in school, uh, in a, and not just in school, but by all media, yeah. uh, everything points to this is normal, but normal's not healthy. And so I think uh, all that messaging makes it easier to choose the wide road and do what everybody else is doing because that's what's expected. And if you don't, you're walking against the tide and it's only by God's grace. That's where relationship with Christ has to be real or you get sucked into that. Um, is it, would it be called a vortex? Yeah. You get sucked into that wrong lifestyle and you don't even realize. And I, I have conversations all the time with people who have no idea that that's not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, and you see that so much <clears throat> with this. Uh, we just exited Pride Month here, uh, although in Canada they've turned it into Pride Season, so technically we're still in Pride Season, um, where we saw parades with people doing all kinds of kink and sexual acts, walking nude and basically shaking themselves in front of children uh, in the streets where that used to be, that would land you in jail because it was illegal and is illegal actually in most places, if they're actually following the letters of the law, nudity is illegal. 
Um, and yet now it's normalized and they're even bringing in what they call maps, which, uh, I refuse to use that term. It's pedophilia. You know, it's, it's really scary to think that these things are, are like you say, being normalized. Thank you for listening to the cool explorations podcast and radio program. I hope that you've enjoyed today's segment and, uh, I hope that you'll consider supporting us at, uh, Cool Explorations on Patreon, as well as uh, you can shoot me an email at tpeter745 at gmail.com if you'd like to support in other ways other than Patreon. <laughs>